You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in this same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Hillary Winfield. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the intellectual outcasts out there. I actually have two Queens of Intellect members on with me this morning for anybody out there listening. So technically two co-hosts versus a special guest, if you will. I got McQueen Akua on with us as well this morning. Um, but if you will, Hillary, say hello to the intellectual outcasts out there listening. Share any of your background before we introduce them to Akua as well. But thank you, Queen, for holding me down on this morning's mental dialogue. Uh, good morning, Montoya, and good morning, everyone. Um, I've been a long-time uh, listener from Montoya, so I'm happy to be back with you. Um, as you know, I'm from Baltimore, and, um, you know, I do gardening. I do a lot of things, so I'm just in my community being active. No, love it. And newly assigned queen of intellect, a cool, if you will, Queen, say hello to the intellectual outcast. I think this is your second time on the show. Uh, we missed you last night at the live experience. So, so glad to have you rocking with us this morning for this morning's discussion. But if you will, say hello to the intellectual outcast. Hello to Hillary. And give whatever background you would like to give before we get into this morning's discussion. But thank you so, Queen, for being with us. Thank you for having me. Um, well, as you instructed, good morning, Hillary. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, um, wonderful listeners. My background is in education, um, children's book author, book publisher, mom, most importantly. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be a part of the conversation. I enjoyed myself last time, so I'm looking forward to this one. And I'm sorry that I missed last night. 
Yeah, I'm no, that's all good. Gonna, I tried. I did try. No, it's all good. It's all good. We gonna. I'm just doing it to give an excuse to talk about the Mental Dialogue Live experience on the show. If you are were in Atlanta and you missed out, <laughs> you missed out on an amazing event last night as we were doing our intellectual um, Olymp- mental Olympics, as I like to call it. We had different sections, and we were able to um, be sponsored by Ship and Share Wines, Black Owned Winery, and had a wine tasting as well. So dope conversation, dope event last night. So again, I just used you as an excuse to bring it up. But with that, without further ado, let's get right into this morning's discussion. Question, if you are a first-time listener, again, I go by Black Socrates, so we try to take the Socratic method to anything that we are addressing. And so this morning's discussion question, Nia Long and Jeezy, what did we learn? Um, that this conversation between the two of them went viral as they both had a discussion, in a sense, after both having public breakups, if you will, from understanding Jeezy's going through a divorce, and most of us probably remember that infamous situation with um, Nia Long and her I guess technically, I would say, I guess on a boyfriend or baby's father, whatever term you want to use, um, the coach at Boston Celtics openly um, getting caught in an affair, and they've been they've broken up since. And so they had a, a, a dialogue that went viral, um, two million views, relatively pretty quickly after it happened. And so we want to go get further into that discussion because one thing Jeezy did mention was that he hoped that we would have, if you will, more conversations after he and Nia sit down and that's exactly what we're doing today and uh, hopefully we'll take it a little deeper than even maybe they went if you will um with that said i just want to get first reactions to um this morning's discussion question as it relates to that conversation and then we're going to get into cuts we're going to go mostly commercial free i do have a uh, announcement uh, for a new event that um that, that for an event that's coming up so i will be making that that announcement but we will go pretty much commercial free for this show so with that said hillary i'll start with you Neil long and jeezy what did we learn i know you had to watch the interview and you decided you would rock with me um what's your initial just quick thought in reference to what did we learn after you watched that conversation I'm sorry, Queen. Let me get you back live. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're good. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, I thought it was like a strikingly mature conversation that you don't usually hear uh, people having about um, traumas they experience and it being okay, like, to have a person to talk to, um, you know, and dealing with those sorts of things in a um you know, I guess and, and frank as you can be. No, so. I love it. No, I love it. Now, like I say, just a quick thought on it, and because I got to we'll play some cuts, and we're gonna get right into it. Same thing for you, Akua. Just a quick thought on what did we learn? Um, just a quick thought. Your initial thought on that conversation that you saw. Um, I mean, basically the same thing that she said. I did enjoy like the cinematography. I thought it was very well produced. Um, I thought the edits could have been. A little tighter, just so that the people who aren't really used to those kind of conversations could could stay locked in. But um, you know, there's just some people looking for an excuse not to enjoy or learn from it. So I think that would have helped with that. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. No, I respect it. Well, let's do this. Let's get right into the cuts again. If you're just now tuned in, um, pretty much going to go commercial free. But let me make this announcement, and we're going to go right into a cut and get into this morning's discussion. Um, the phone lines will be open for people that want to join us. Uh, 
On November 29th at 6 p.m., dinner is served as Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute and TSK presents their fourth annual Educate to Liberate Banquet. Join Colombo and TSK as they celebrate African-centered excellence in education. This year, Colombo is raising money as they continue to educate our youth, preschool to 12th, 12th grade, and our people's history and culture being an African-centered education. Don't miss this theater experience and night of exceptional entertainment and dynamic speakers as they raise money to support the next generation of black liberators. Also, if you missed the dinner on November 29th, be sure to catch the virtual celebration on December the 2nd and still support. For all ticket details, please visit EducateToLiberate.online. Again, that's EducateToLiberate.online to secure our future generation of leaders. All right, let's jump right into this thing. Here's a cut, and I'll get both of your reactions from this cut. So you were saying that you feel like we can't connect because we're doing too much time fighting each other. Absolutely. Instead of fighting for the relationship. Or fighting for love and understanding and commitment and compassion. And But it starts with, with men feeling, you know, comfortable enough to be vulnerable and open. And that's a hard thing to ask a man to do because we were not conditioned that way. We were not, a lot of us weren't raised that way. It can be considered a sign of weakness in the same way that therapy is considered a sign of weakness. We're talking about your experiences and my experiences. We have more in common than we probably ever thought we did, right? right? And so to me, that's the thing that makes me feel this, sense of urgency to have this conversation with you Mm. but also there's a hopefulness Mm. there's a hopefulness that if we actually each do the work we can actually come together because there's nothing more important to me than black people right we are the greatness in every room right we are the ones who set it off and make it happen we are the ones that create the culture we are the artists we are the artistes We are the voices that lead the masses. But what has always hurt me to the core is why is there this dismantlement of the black family? Why isn't it that black men and black women can't sit like you and I are sitting in a space and have really open dialogues about things and and work through the trauma? Because that's the only way we can really, really, really be productive you said if we couldn't work welcome back to the mental dialogue talk show i'm your host montoya smith aka black socrates along with special guest co-host hillary and akua as we hear nia and jesus just a cut from that amazing conversation and i thought it was just a good way to start off um, highlighting the fact that every Saturday morning we are having those conversations. And so I'm elated to see, in a sense, celebrities step in the space and ha- and basically add to and broaden these conversations that, again, we're having here every Saturday. And I love the fact that they've stepped into the space to force us to have this conversation, if I could say that, um, if anything else. But, Hillary, we'll start with you as well. Just any reactions to... Um, starting the this conversation with that 
particular cut. We're not doing it in chronological order, order as you can see, um, but we're just going to dialogue through different parts of their conversation. Your thoughts, Queen? Um, well, as you know, you know my feelings on any sort of like gender warring and that kind of thing. I just hate anything like that. And what I like picked up from what she was saying, like why we can't have these conversations uh, with each other is because a lot of times I think the purpose of most of the time people's purpose is to blame the other person and it's never like to take accountability for what you might be contributing negatively to the situation. So that is, I don't know if it's when she was saying like, you know, men aren't conditioned to be vulnerable and all that kind of thing. I mean, to a degree that's true, but it's the, I feel like there's, no real agenda when people usually are either arguing or it's usually just resorts to blaming why it's all your fault, why these are all the problems with the women, these are all the problems with the men. Like, there's no agenda to, like, reach some kind of common ground or laying out how we're going to do that. Like, if you don't have a plan, you know, you're planning to fail. And that's why I think those conversations aren't productive, um, no, but they, I think what they were doing yeah, their conversation was like not to say like, you know, oh, well, she did this, this, and this wrong, and that's why I left, and he did, well, you know, we all know what he did, um, you know, and men are terrible. Like, it wasn't that kind of conversation, so that was uh, kind of refreshing for me. No, absolutely, and we love to highlight that um, in having these conversations, we, we do the exact opposite of what you talked about because here's the unfortunate reality to uh, a lot that's out there in, you know, let's just keep it a book in the podcast world or even the radio world, whatever you want to call it. The reality is there's a lot of clicks and a lot of money can be made just by having the dialogue without any solutions being offered. To your point, there is no agenda, no end goal. It's just have the conversation because we can get views that way or whatever. And of course, we love to highlight that we try to be the opposite of that and have a refreshing conversation just like they had. Um, any thoughts, Akua, to that cut or anything myself or um, Hillary had to say? Um, I really like the emphasis on therapy because that's something that is so taboo for our community, but would really, really change dynamics of relationships with self as well as everybody else. Um, we just have a process of dumping on somebody else who doesn't really know how to organize that information and then redirect the person. So I think it's super healthy that they're both promoting that and that, um, you know, so I mean, in that, that particular clip, that's what I really enjoy is that they're encouraging some more intimacy in, on an intellectual, emotional level amongst people because some people don't realize how they're impacted by their childhood or, you know, their struggle and how it can show up in a relationship because they only know what they've seen on TV or what they've heard the other friends talk about, but they don't really sit and think, what's my piece in this? You know what I'm saying? What does my history have to do with my perspective on how I'm being treated or I'm treating somebody else or processing? You know what I mean? What are my expectations? So, I think it um, it really open it has the potential to open a lot of doors, positive doors. And that's why we're going. No, absolutely, that's why we're going through this conversation. Just to let you know, Queen, we um, we can hear a little bit of your background. Um, if you're not able to alleviate it, it's not a problem. But just in case you are, I want to at least let you know. Um, Is my background? 
Yeah, we can just hear a little bit in the background. Just letting you know, again, we can, we can make it work, but it is coming through on the air. Um, and no stress, it's not that loud, but in case you are able to alleviate it, I just wanted to let you know. Yep, no problem. Um, I would just add this, and we're going to go to another cut here. I'll add that um, where Nia brings up the conversation black family, because so I'll get a big reason that we even have these conversations with an agenda um, is I've always said for all of the issues that we may say or talk about in our community, and I don't like to just belabor conversations again just for the sake of having them, but it's all for not unless we fix the the relationship between the black man and black woman. So these conversations are needed when they're done in the correct way. And I do think this Nia Long and Jeezy is an opportunity to further the conversations because it won't, it will take more than one conversations, but the right conversations versus it being done just to make money. Let's go to another cut and I'll get both of your reactions as well. For anybody out there listening, we will give out the number 646-787-1691. And you can join us for this morning's dialogue. Activation moment of trauma for you. I think there were several things. I think the, the first was being left with a babysitter. There was a woman that was older than me. I mean, that was older and and her, you know, touching and doing things to me that don't normally happen to kids. Right? Like molesting. Right, basically. Yeah. So I, I was introduced to sex at a very really young age. Really young. Yeah. Second thing was that I had this lady that lived next door to us in an apartment. She was married to this guy. They had two kids. Yeah. And it was around my age. And I used to hang out with them. And I was there one day. And I remember like it was yesterday. They got into an argument. Yeah. And... Me, me and the little boys was playing in the room, and I heard him, you know, and I heard that saying before, I, yeah, you, I, you wait till I get back. I'll be right back. And I kind of looked at the boys. I'm like, yo, you know, and, and sure enough, he came running upstairs, and he went in the closet, right? Mm-hmm. And when he was going in the closet, he was running through the closet, and I saw when he pulled it out, it was like a big, like, had to be like a silver 357. Oh, and my God. And I looked God. at them, and I immediately was like, yo, we got to hide. Yeah, and but why did you know to hide? Because I had been around that before growing up. Mm-hmm. So I went and climbed under the sink mm-hmm. in the bathroom and hid. Mm-hmm. And I heard some yelling, and all I heard was He killed his, the wife? He, he didn't kill her. He shot her like four times. Oh, my God. Right, and he ran, left us there. My mom and dad came looking for me um, eventually. They found me under the sink when the police and everything was there. But I just, you know, they just stuck with me, right? Mm-hmm. And before I was eight, mm-hmm. I had already accepted this is this is the norm, right? I was already desensitized. And At was, eight years old? Yeah. I was already thinking like, okay, this this is what life is. And they gave me this thing to like always like protect myself right yeah yeah because nothing think, felt safe right do you have siblings at the my point? brother died when he was younger what did it do to your mother welcome back to the mental dialogue talk show i'm your host montoya smith aka black socrates along with two special guest co-hosts hillary and akua as we're walking through the neo long and jeezy conversation i'll highlight um this quick aspect um Jeezy obviously breaks down um, that experience of seeing that or hearing that lady get shot four times. And for me, it's just a starting space for um, the 
black youth that are that experience that level of violence and to the degree that eight years old he's desensitized quite often when there are situations in some of our neighborhoods that are that do have more violence that's not the majority of black neighborhoods i like to be real clear on how we speak on this show um, but for areas where there are high crime areas um, and we get caught up in even what the news portrays quite often we never put in perspective that the young men and youth out there that are in gang activity this is their background to the point where they're desensitized to that type of life so early that without their understanding we we just are willing to throw away the key or say they're animals or say what's wrong with them or we got to do better all these terms that we we project and forgetting that they were brought up in an environment that had them in survival mode and not to make an excuse but when we forget those things we don't come up with real solutions we just complain about the situation so that's what it, it made me think about the bigger part of the conversation was what he initially talked about was being molested as a young man um by an older woman and the most show most watch show i've ever done was with the brother eli marcus we obviously we're audio on this but i, I do some video shows and the big the, my leading show was a show i did with eli marcus talking about how often young boys are using the correct word molested by older women as young boys it's not looked at that way. Typically, we, we, we like how it feels, if you will, so we don't run around announcing it If it, in the sense that if it was reversed. Um, we obviously know there's plenty of young sisters that have been molested that are not announcing it either, or they've even tried to announce it, and it wasn't handled. Usually not the case for young boys, but it is often a reality of how we were introduced to sex. So a lot said in that clip. Um, Akula, actually, I'll start with you on this one and didn't get your uh, response as well, Hillary. Anything that you want to point out? Again, we're just digging through this dialogue with so many um, opportunities to speak about. But go ahead, um, Akul. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, um, it's a tragic phenomenon for young men to lose their virginity to some, you know, older woman that's a caretaker. The sense of normalcy to it is insane. I've asked so many men, and they've had that experience, and with nowhere to unpack what that does to them or what it did to them and what it means, you know, to their present um, or their overview about intimacy, um, you know, or sex. So I think it was courageous for him to mention that, especially where, you know, the last time it was mentioned, I think it's like with R. Kelly. So, you know, that probably took some courage for him to go ahead and throw it out there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that that part stuck out a lot as well as, as I mentioned previously, just like how that childhood can affect your present day. So some of me likes that it's a casual conversation between them. Some of me wonders how much deeper and would have went if he was, like, talking maybe to someone who was, like, professional interviewer. But I feel like they both have pros and cons. Like, it being a conversation can help it become, you know, normalized having these kind of conversations. So I do appreciate that part, but it just it makes me wonder someone who could help him connect more dots as these things are being revealed. No, I absolutely understand that. I remember when myself and Eli were having the conversation, that brother mentioned, um, I thought this was so profound. He 
um, because obviously when it's reversed, it's, it's really frowned upon in society, right, where there's, a, in a sense, uh, an older male doing that or whatever. And, it's, and at the end of the day, it should be frowned upon, period. Like, let's know we, are, we understand that here. But, again, that's when it's usually highlighted, when it's a male. And what Eli pointed out was um, just thinking further down the line, how many young men, as you said, Akul, have been introduced to sex in this manner, a caretaker or older caretaker introducing them to sex in whatever kind of ways. But he said, how does that skew that young male's mind when he's 24 or 25 and looking at younger girls? It, in a sense, the psychology of this was done to them, so they have no purview, per se, of why it would be wrong to be 25 and looking at a 16-year-old. That was just something that I remember um, Eli pointed out, and I was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. So, again, we're just digging through this conversation. Hillary, anything you want to add um, before we play the next cut? I see a caller out there. If you want to get in, caller, you do have to press 1, and we'll get you in the conversation as well. Go ahead, Hillary. Um, Yeah, I agree with the uh, the points about the molestation um, because I think a, a lot of boys are and girls are abused by female like older females and it just doesn't get talked about because and especially in the case of boys where it's like oh well you like it well girls like sex too but that doesn't mean she should be introduced to it by you know an older man and by the same token a young boy shouldn't be introduced in that way you know by an older woman because it's not even just like oh, he's being introduced to sex. Or it's not even you know like kids will um, you know they'll be curious and start doing things. It's it's a secret now, and then there's that whole thing. So when children are introduced to sex in traumatic ways, it reverberates like throughout their life with attachment issues, trust issues, reoffending kind of issues. So um, we could talk. You know, we should be able to talk about that more. Instead of thinking like, oh, well, the little boy liked it, so it's okay. Like, no, it's not okay. If a 15-year-old likes having sex, a 15-year-old girl likes having sex with her 25-year-old boyfriend, like, that doesn't make it okay. That's not the barometer. And so it shouldn't be the barometer for a young boy either. Um, Because I think, as he was saying, you know, it's, it's impacted him, and he's still carrying some feelings about it years later. No, that's real. Let's highlight this real quick before we go to the next cut. I did mention this, and it's, again, putting into perspective of him saying, Jeezy saying at eight years old he was desensitized to violence because of not only the situation he shared, but other situations. It already, in a sense, had become his life. And so I like to highlight quite often the psychology of uh, me growing up in my country town. Um, I didn't have that type of experience, right, where I'm in the hood to the degree that we're seeing a bunch of violence. So, you know, saw some things in the country, people cut each other more so than shoot each other. At least when I was coming up, young young guys do carry guns more than, you know, than when I was younger, if you will. So things have changed, but never to the degree that you would hear in, in city life or neighborhoods to have gangs and things of that nature. Uh, but, again, just if y'all could, you know, just a quick thought on this is, the idea of them being desensitized and having that experience, those of us who've never had to experience that type of upbringing, we we typically can never relate because our value system is, oh, I won't harm someone else. I won't harm one of us. Like, And there's this concept of why, 
why did we why do we kill us? Like these comments are always said, and I'm just highlighting that when you're demonizing or looking down on that experience and never had it, you have no concept of being desensitized because you've been taught to value life. Jeezy talks about not valuing life based on their upbringing. It's just a, a, a intersection that I think is never broached, and I think it is very necessary. Hillary, any thoughts on that, uh, that aspect of even having dialogues in that arena about what our community can do to improve where, especially where those issues are. Again, I always like to highlight that's not our entire community. That's not the majority of the black community, but are there high crime areas? Absolutely. I think this understanding that I'm touching on right now can help with that. In my opinion, your thoughts, Hillary. Uh, I mean, as far as being like, like, well, okay, well, when you, or how we talk about, um, violent people, like, in our community, is, as you can see, not like they just showed up one day as mm-hmm. adults. Like, there's so much about people's lives you don't even know about that they're grappling with or being affected by without even thinking about it. So it's, I don't even think it's fair to be like, they just don't value life. Like, mm-hmm. the things that went on that, you know, led them to this, because I'm thinking, like, if my child was somewhere and, you know, people were getting shot. It was like, yeah, my parents came and picked me up. It didn't seem like they processed it with him at all. I mean, well, he said they had kind of a chaotic uh, home too, but, you know, it wasn't like really processed um, as probably it should have been. And, well, he, I guess we might talk about this later on, his relationship with his mother. But, um, you know, it's like they're the, the adults, and also, I feel like, because a lot of older um, black people, like the way they talk about um, young black people, it's like, well, you raised them. It's not like they just are disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Like, you had no role in how they got there. Like, they didn't just show up one day like this. There's a whole bunch of things that go into making a person who they are. And it's like, well, you also have some, you know, like as a community, we have, like, impact on each other. It's not just a simple matter of, well, those people just don't value life, you know, like they're supposed to. Well, perhaps they didn't feel like their life was ever valued, <laughs> so they don't have the concept like you would think they should have. Some things just need to be taught. You just don't know offhand. Nah, that becomes very important because to a degree we let even the media have us reduce denouncing the behavior as as if denouncing the behavior is the change of it. And it basically, in my opinion, gives us an excuse not to change the environment and do what it actually takes, to your point, Hillary, to teach the, the right values or in the sense that if you're not close enough to be able to do it, it's still not as simple as denouncing it because it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out to in, – to to just say we must do better. That is a literally cop out to actually doing what it takes to ensure eight year olds are not desensitized to violence. I can just use the Jeezy example again for that. Let's go to another cut again for the caller out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press one to get in on the conversation. If you're online listening, the number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. 
You have to press one to speak with us. This next cut is actually someone critiquing a part of the interview, and I thought this was very interesting. And so let's jump into this critique, if you will. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Okay, so I just watched this Jeezy interview, and I have a question for black women. If you're not a black woman, you can still watch, but please, this not this not a question for you. When he gets to the end of the video, right, and he talks about how he's at his lowest and how this is when he needs his sisters. Matter of fact, I don't want to misquote him. Let me play it. Hold on. It's you in body. Yeah. What a well-minded, grown-ass black woman is supposed to be like. And we stand with you always. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you because you are my sister. And this is a safe space for me to say what I need to say. Because at times when we're at our lowest, we our sisters, just like right. you guys need your brothers. And that's why this conversation was so real, because I hope and I pray that this conversation can open up different conversations in our culture about being there for each other and not being at odds with each other, no matter what we've been through. And, you know, I got to give you your flowers. You know, you... you You've done an amazing job at maintaining your integrity throughout your career, right? As a person, as a human being. And it meant the world to me to sit across from you and just to tell you my story. As a man, I just hope that women, our women, black women in particular, can see this. So black women, how did that make you feel? Like... Knowing the whole story, how, you know, it, and it's absolutely nothing wrong with interracial relationships, but it seems to me when he said especially, it, it, it triggered me. Now that I'm at rock bottom, I need my sisters. Well, where were you at when you were at the top? You didn't have no use for us then. Now with black women and black men need each other? I don't know about that, y'all. It just kind of, it just feels like it's pandering. All of a sudden... Now with, you know, you pinning a letter to black women, you're using a black woman to interview you, you're uplifting her in real time, but the reality is that, you know, everybody always has something to say about us being too rough, too difficult, too loud, all of these neg negative stereotypes of black women, and I, I just, it just does not feel, it just reminds me of this interview that was between James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni, and I want to play that because I feel like it sums up my emotions towards this part, this segment of the interview, perfectly. And you will. If you love Nikki and you're going off with Maddie someplace, you're lying to me. Because what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. Well, Billy Holiday say, hush now, don't explain. All right, I accept that. Of course. Of All course right, you love me. And I don't even want to care. What, what does the truth matter? And why are you going to be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me. Smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you. You must. Treat him. You must. Because I've caught the I've caught the frowns and the anger. He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come on when I catch hell because I love you. I get least of you. I get I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man? 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, with two special guest co-hosts, Hillary and Akua. Akua, I'll start with you. Uh, I think the critique is fair. Again, she highlighted critiquing that segment of the conversation and um, definitely making room for critique. Personally, don't care about Nia and Jeezy personally. Where you know, just I'm not saying anything about them personally. We're just having a dialogue as it relates to having the conversations that Jeezy alluded to, um, and and what we can learn from it. But any thoughts from you, Queen, on what you heard um, in that cut or from that just for that critique that segment? Yeah, I mean, the thing is this: like on a on a surface level, you know, I I do understand what she's saying. I understand what she's saying. Now, from a more, um, I don't want to, I definitely don't, I don't want to say evolved, because it's not like that's not evolved, but evolved above surface in in sense of what that means. What I would want to point out is that this is part of the reason why we, we can't really um, grow together. It's because you're not allowed to make a mistake without feeling like you're going to be ostracized. You know what I'm saying? You can't go and explore a territory and find out it's not what you thought it was and come back and continue just your journey. You know what I'm saying? So it's not really fair to say that um, let's say that for some of the reasons that he has shared um, in his childhood and his quest, his seek to understand and have love, he met a person, you know, and it was Jeannie Mae or whatever, and he thought, okay, maybe she won't have some of the same reservations, um, you know, by having a different upbringing or whatnot, having what looks to be like an organized culture, right? It's different when you're in a relationship with someone who has traditions and cultures, and it looks pretty. It looks prettier than us swinging in the dark trying to figure stuff out, right? But then what he realized is that it doesn't speak to um, – just other components of a person's growth. People still got stuff. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so he was like, man, this is not what I thought. I thought this was going to be more organized. I thought, you know, she might be more more loving. This maybe me not getting it here, I would be able to get it in this space, and I'm still not getting it. Now, if he would have just stuck with it because he he made the decision, and he's like, well, now this is just what I got to do, you know what I mean, and be miserable, although he's evolved through that, then what? Then he's not honoring himself. If he's like, okay, this is not it, you know what I'm saying, this is not it, and he decided, okay, you know what I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just do something different, just not this, you know what I mean? So no, I that's very involved. In- no, I'm following you. Yeah, I, I didn't know where you would go with it, but if I'm, you know, but yeah, I'm definitely hearing exactly what you're saying, and it is something to learn just in general, right? Um, right. You- a lot of background noise, Queen. Just let you know, a lot of background noise at this point. Just give you a heads up. Um, sorry, um, j- jump in there. Just letting you know, I'm gonna let you come back in real quick, but the background noise is getting a, a little louder. Just letting you know. All right, Queen, go ahead and finish what you're saying. I'm bringing you back live. All right, so what I'm saying is just comparable to someone who decided, you know what, I'm I'm not dating anybody who doesn't have a college degree because I don't feel like they're on my level. And let's say the woman or man makes that decision and then they date someone and find out that they feel like they're lacking in other areas. I'm like, okay, I overjudge. Whoa, you know what I'm saying? That's not what it is. Okay, I'm going to open up you know, open myself up to dating to people who I actually just get along with and they are, or have 
these other checks and balances, but I'm not going to measure it against that. And I'm not saying he intentionally went out to look for a non-black woman. I don't mm-hmm. know the background. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he ended up with a non-black woman, which, you know, maybe it would have been nice if he addressed that lightly in the interview. But, you know what I mean? We we automatically went to like, oh, now you're coming back to us. Oh, now you want us to support you. You want us to do this. I mean... What what do you expect him to do? What is he supposed to do? Become like rally like on a multicultural level now because his ex-wife isn't black? I mean, I don't think he ever denounced where he came from and who he is. He just, you know, he's looking for love in somebody and he didn't find what it is he needed. They have a child in the situation, so that's unfortunate that, you know, the home is broken, but you know, I think, it's a, I, think it's a very, yeah, I love it. I love it. Very mature um, viewpoint. Hillary, any thoughts um, to that critique um, by the sister? I think there's a degree of validity in it, and I thought it was fair for her to make the critique or whatever. But I love what Aku is pointing out, which I think is, and I will use the word more evolved, just to have that understanding. At the end of the day, we have to let people go through their journey, and you know, like I said, to to her point, um, that particular situation ended up being a mistake for him or whatever. But to her point, um, he's, in a sense, openly saying it to a degree. And now he's with Nia saying, hey, let's figure this out between the black men and the black woman. Um, so I definitely love um, her, her thoughts. Your thoughts to um, any of what she had to say or the cut itself? Uh, well, the cut itself, I mean, I see where she's coming from. Um I mean, I don't really care for interracial relationships either. I cut my eyes when I see it. But, you know, again, people have to live their own lives. So, you know, it's just that. It's, I think, a difference between someone that just meets somebody, they, you know, they vibe and everything, they just happen to be a different race, but they get together. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one. Versus people that do more like racial showcasing. Like, that is the thing that makes the relationship. That's right. a little bit different. I don't yeah, think he was, um, I don't really don't follow his life like that, but I don't think he was, you know, kind of doing more of the racial showcasing. But right. at the same time, when they were talking, I, when he was saying that, I was like, it was kind of the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, but maybe, like, that should have been something they talked about. Like, maybe he Agreed. never talked about things like this with her. I don't know. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable because, again, like, when you, sometimes you might feel like, um, because you still are like the, because we're subordinate in the society, you're a little bit subordinate in the relationship. So you might not feel comfortable, you know, showing too many like you know of the negative sides of yourself, you know, because it might turn the person off. In a way that you, I mean, even though when you get with something, it's like you know the first six months, you know, you're on like your best behavior, they see all the good sides of you with anybody, but you get comfortable to a certain degree and then when you're with someone of your own race or ethnicity they understand things without you having to say it because you know they were raised in the same cultural kind of environment mm-hmm. as you and mm-hmm. no they already understand and so he may have really felt like i need my sisters because i can't talk to this girl about this kind of thing she won't get it or you know she won't like it so i can't really unburden myself like that like i can with you know, somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that's me. Nah, fair enough. I, I got, okay, I thought you were finished. Go ahead. Nah, I got yeah, you. I, I got you. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I got um, Ashley wanting to jump in on the line, so I'm going to get her in this thing. What's up, Queen? Another Queen of Intellect tuning in this morning. What you got for me this morning, Queen? Uh, so I have enjoyed the conversation. Good morning, y'all. Uh, I think the thing that came across for me with the young ladies clip is like, one, she gave us an indication that she was triggered, right? So like she's already biased in terms of what's about to come out of her mouth because she is emotionally triggered. But I feel like people don't really understand like a safe space does not necessarily mean that you agree with or what the person is expressing is something Mm. that you Mm. are on board with. And so like, we can't say we want black men to be vulnerable and have conversations Mm. and then hold against them that they were not um, like, Oh, he was with, he was in an interracial relationship prior to this. Like either you're going to create a safe space or you're going to create a biased space for judgment, but you can't have both of them together. Right. Like I always try to tell people that acceptance Mm. does not mean um, agreement. Right. Just because I can accept like this is your truth. This is what he's experiencing. It's pretty clear that there's still some emotional work that he needs to do. There's still some things that he needs to work through. But that does not mean that I cannot create a safe space for a black man to say what he needs to say. And are there other conversations that need to be had? Absolutely. But I think where we start missing each other is where we want spaces to talk about our experiences and then we won't hear those and just acknowledge like this is someone's experience it doesn't make it right or wrong because that's judgment but this is their experience i can hear that receive that and continue on and be myself but creating that space is about allowing someone to speak their truth i love it um great great point queen and of course you can get in and out on this conversation with us but i think that's an amazing point um because that's that's actually as y'all say what a safe space is i'm not even a big fan of the word but when i think about it just for personal reasons but when i think about it ashley is bringing it to the table yeah if you're going to create the space it doesn't mean that oh we're having a deep conversation and we all agree it's say it all and let's talk about it even if we disagree and versus making a judgment so i love i love that point let's go to another cut for anybody out there listening that wants to jump in it's six four six seven eight seven one six nine one you do have to press one to let us know you want to speak let's continue with the nia and jeezy conversation we'll be right back things i'm always somebody who wants to do the right thing and and sometimes you know the the masses don't want that right and Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know i've been taught to keep your mouth closed and don't tell people anything right especially how you live and how you move well that's what we've all been taught right And, and now just opening up and having these conversations, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, wow, like, you know, when you see people not getting the message right and you go, they just really don't understand. As black people, this is a beautiful time for us to be inspired by each other. Right. To be able to say we no longer have to have this experience on this planet in this small vacuum. Right. Where we are of service to the world. And when I say to the world, I mean to white pop culture. Right. Now there are tools and examples and people and practices in place that can inspire us in a different way. When I was 
you know, nine years old wanting to be an actress. When I was little Nia, there were like very few people I mm-hmm. could look up to and mm-hmm. say, oh, that's who I want to be. Right. We've cracked that a little bit, right. a lot of it. Right. So now I think what you're saying is we all have the choice. We have the choice to decide when and where we're going to get the mental health support that we, that we need, mm-hmm. but you got to want it. And I think the stigma behind um, mental health, especially with black men, is huge. It's a weakness. It's a weakness. And the reality is, is your brain is a muscle like anything else on your body. Uh If you can go to the gym and lift weights, then you should be able to sit down with someone and exercise that muscle in between your ears. And have those conversations because those conversations are tough, but they're also really necessary. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Double Duties Today, Akul and Hillary. Uh, One thing I'll say, and I'll start with you, Hillary, I'll just highlight that, again, this is a recent conversation. I would offer that even the dialogue we're having now is an example of continuing to exercise um, just like you can't go to the gym one time and lose all the weight that you need. It's a, a continuous process. And so I hope that this is this is a continued healthy conversation that adds to uh, the one that they've brought forward. But your thoughts, um, Hillary, to anything you heard in that cut? Um, yeah, I mean, I even understand, like, why mental health treat or seeking treatment for things is even seen as a weakness. And even if, why should you care? If you, it's like, it's when you're like, okay, great. Like bravery isn't never being scared. No, it's, mm-hmm. I'm scared, but I'm happy about it anyway. <laughs> That's the bravery. Um, right. Because no one is never not scared. So if you need to talk about something, to process something that you are grappling with, having a, like, it's courage to be like, I have a problem and I need to fix it. How are you fixing? It's like you never have problems, or you don't worry about fixing them. Like that's a little scary to me. I mean, me personally, but it's. I feel like a man should be like, I don't care if you think this, or I don't give a damn about what you think about anything about me. If I have a problem, I'm gonna fix it. That's what I want. Like I want you to be like that. Yeah, it's tough though. Um, you know, similar to. Um, Jeezy talking about being desensitized to violence. Um, same thing with the programming as a, you know, in a sense as a young man being raised not to do that or never seeing men do it as an example or whatever. Um, being very, you know, with everything being about respect and what that looks like. And if the men that you respected or in your life uh, would, in a sense, never take that, make that decision, then you end up emulating it to a degree. I remember. Um, obviously, with mental dialogue, if you ever go to the website, uh, we have our most professionals in the mental health space um, as well, just to highlight that. But I remember what was the trick for me um, growing up as a, you know, with seeing a, my grandfather would have, in a sense, would have never went to therapy, right? And um, for the most part, I was against it for some of the same reasons that we're talking about. So while I I can agree with you, Hillary. It, it is what we should do, but I absolutely under process, understand the process, of, and I know my own process for what it took for me to even finally t- take an actual step into the space. But I remember the thing, the, the seed that set the stage for me, and I still didn't go to therapy right after this, 
but I, I never forget the seed that set the stage for me to even consider it, which was um, I, I had a therapist. So I was in the, in a sense, in mental dialogue, had therapists already a part of it before I had ever taken the step myself. But I remember a particular thing, I forget which therapist it was, but some years ago um, pointed out that if you had a broken arm, you would go to the doctor. If it's, you know, broken bad enough, you'll go to the doctor and get a cast on it or whatever you could. And the way the therapist explained it, yeah, your arm would heal in a sense if you don't go or whatever, but what's the chances of it healing correctly without professional help, if you will? And so there are remedies to fix your arm without getting a, a you know, a professional cast or whatever. But they, He's pointing out that mental health is the exact same way. You could try to deal with it amongst your friends, but your friends, your great friends that will listen to you and help you walk through it or are concerned with you when you're having a down moment per se, they don't have the tools that the professional have, and you wouldn't expect to go to the, the doctor and get a cast for free. And so it's like realizing that mental health and physical health are the exact same, and that was the seed that it, opened me up, still took me years later, but that was the seed that opened me up and I would share with others that eventually led to me actually being willing to go to the doctor, per se. Um, Akua, any thoughts on that cut or anything that myself and Hillary have had to say? Go ahead, Queen. Um, yeah, I mean, just a very quick background of what he's saying, that you were raised not to say anything, is that, you know, we come from a society where that, one, let's talk about health insurance, Let's talk about the amount of um, therapists that were available when we were growing up in our likeness and the access that we had to them. So, I mean, there was cases where maybe someone talked to a school counselor and then ended up in foster care. You know what I mean? Ended up in the Child Protective Services um, roller coaster. So this is partly why, you know, some of that generation doesn't believe in doing that because it didn't lead to anything positive. I don't think it's just like we don't like healing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I mean, we, we got some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. We've also been no, absolutely. Wrong. And it, it's a relationship. You know, I, was, I went through maybe two different therapists before I went on to find two that I really enjoy. Well, actually, maybe I met three at this point that I really um, felt like I, 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 I got a good fit. You know what I mean? I had mm-hmm. to convince my son, who's 22 now, to get a therapist, and he kept feeling like, because you're like, am I trying to say something's wrong with him? Something's wrong with, you know, um, his mental capacity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm, and I kept trying to reiterate to him, you know, and my friend, I had a friend who lost three of her children, and I was trying my best to be her support system, and that was my breaking point, like, because it was giving me anxiety, and I didn't want to say the wrong thing, and I, I kept thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, it's now... It's been, it's real. It can happen. It could happen with my children. And I needed some help processing that along with all the other stuff I had already went through. So I use that as an example. Like, you know, I I was able to be a a much better, cleaner version of myself when I put some of that weight down and I understood some of the challenges I had and where they came from. And finally, like, and I'm talking like four years of me really just trying to make it an issue. He went to one and absolutely loves it and gets it. And I'm like, man, if you could just tell your friends and just help in trying to normalize this, because now we do have resources. And with or without insurance, you know what I mean, you, you actually have some options that are affordable. Right. But talking to people and 
then, you know, you hear your own business, right? So that's another reason why you don't want to confide in someone who you think is a family member even or a friend because you will hear your own business and be like, wait, that's not even what happened. And who told you that? Hold on. I told them, you know, I was being vulnerable, trying to get some help, and now it's a rumor. So this is where some of that whole, again, don't tell your business comes from, but then it will eat you alive. Or you'll run around mm-hmm. thinking you're right and you're dead-ass wrong. So we, we absolutely have to make it. Um, those of us that are going to therapy share what that experience actually is like. What you, you know, what triggered you to go? Like, you don't have to have a big life event. You know what I mean? You can just go and do a check-in, talk about processes, and we need to get that out there more. No, that's why we do a lot of the work. I mean, just, mm-hmm. I love everything that you broke down. You're right. There's a lot of history for why the stigma exists. Um, as I listened to you tell me about your son's story, um, it, it probably was four to five years after I got the seed that I just broke down using the broken arm analogy that I heard from a therapist. Because it's, it's, like you said, mental health-wise, you're literally walking around with the possibly an unhealed arm that could have healed all the way. Like, all my arms is not strong enough ever since I had that injury. That's literally when you equate mental health to that very thing, you will absolutely go get the cast. And so... I love what you pointed out, Akua. It's not an easy step, but that's the reality of getting that objective perspective and getting the tools, quote, unquote, the cast to actually heal the arm fully. And I love the fact that you're talking about the reality of finding a fit. It's not uncommon that when you have bigger issues within within your physical health that you'll go get a second opinion or whatever with the stigma that goes around mental health. It's kind of like we'll take the one the one attempt, and if it doesn't go well, we don't think of it as let me go get a second opinion, let me go find someone else. That is very imperative, just like you would with your physical health. I love making that analogy because it made a huge difference for me. Um, Ashley, I know she wants to. Uh, matter of fact, I think that's uh, cool. You were about to say something. Let me let you re- respond, and then I'm going to get to the caller, Ashley. She's trying to jump back in as well. Are you trying to say something in response to me real quick before I go to her? No, no, no. Oh, I okay, I thought I heard something. Yeah, okay. Cool. okay I was just making sure. I just want to make sure I, was, I wasn't cutting off your response. All right, let's jump to Ashley real quick. What you got for us, Queen? Oh. Uh, so I just want to add, like, that part is so important, being able to share your experience about what therapy is like and what to expect because a lot of people have never been to therapy. So they just think it's like, oh, I'm going to sit on the couch and tell somebody my problems or there's a fear that, you know, I'm going to tell my business and then it's going to get out, not realizing that there are laws around your information being shared to protect you. I remember being in a meetup group and I talked to this guy. He was having issues with his relationship. And I was like, you know, you should probably talk to a therapist. I gave him a referral. He hit me back up and he was like, I appreciate you being willing to share your experience with therapy because, you know, I told him how many therapists I had to go through. I told him what the experience was like for me and what it should feel like, um, how you should approach it. And he wound up finding a therapist and finding a psychiatrist and getting on medication. And so we have to be able to, like, speak to those things and be able to speak about the differences between what a therapist does and what a psychiatrist does because those are two different things. And not everyone is just Mm -hmm. going to be okay with going to therapy. Sometimes we need to see a psychiatrist because – Things in our body are not wired the same way, so we might need medication to assist us. It doesn't make us crazy. 
It means that we need something just a little bit more that's going to assist us with our anxiety, our depression, these things that we experience. And there is someone that has the tools out there that can talk to you and figure out what's going on and give you tests. And medication is not forever. You could start medication and start working through your issues and not have to continue on that. And I really want that to be a stigma that we break around medication. So no, I just wanted I to it. add that. No, that's a great three cents that you added, Queen, and I'll highlight because um, just to highlight Ashley, just to highlight this real quick, she does our Making Money Matters Mondays, which is where money and mental health meet. So she's obviously a mental health advocate, mental dialogue. We are we advocate as well. And I remember we were once we were doing a community checkup, which was an online Zoom we did during the pandemic. And I never forgot that one of the therapists we were able to bring on highlighted that for all of the things they look at in the, I forget the name of the manual that they use to diagnose the different mental health issues or whatever, but this particular therapist was a psychiatrist to Ashley's point and highlighted that the medication portion is actually a a very small portion of all the solutions they have available. And so the point that the psychiatrist made was, so in the event that someone is at the point of needing um, medicines, if you will, um, there is a mental imbalance to the point where it is necessary and there isn't regular therapy that will be a fix in that situation. So to Ashley's point, but I also want to highlight that it is actually almost a it's particular levels of imbalance that even require that. So the majority of solutions won't. Again, I'm not trying to um, move away from what Ashley said. I'm just highlighting the balance of what she talked about. And so don't go into it and think that it's going to be a quick, ready, put you on medication situation. That's typically not the case, but in the event that it is necessary, and I've had people go through this where they avoid medication, like she said, to the, to the period, the period that they need it to the point where it becomes a lifetime issue. But had they been willing to do the medication for a period of time, their balance would come back and revert their life. And yes, are there a small portion of the population that has to stay medicated in order to avoid their mental health issues? Absolutely. But that is a small number. So thank you, Ashley, for that amazing point. Uh, Let me highlight um, this quick public service announcement, and we'll keep this conversation and play another cut from the actual Jeezy and Nia Long. For anybody else that wants to jump in on the conversation, the number is 646-787-1691. And you have to press one to speak with us. On November 29th at 6 p.m., dinner is served as Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute and TSK presents their fourth annual Educate to Liberate Banquet. Join Colombo and TSK as they celebrate African-centered excellence in education. This year, Colombo is raising money as they continue to educate our youth preschool to 12th grade in our people's history and culture via an African-centered education. Don't miss this theater experience and night of exceptional entertainment and dynamic speakers as they raise money to support the next generation of black liberators. Also, if you missed the dinner on November 29th, be sure to catch the virtual celebration on December the 2nd and still support. For all ticket details, please visit EducateToLiberate.online. Again, that is EducateToLiberate.online to secure our future generation of leaders. I will be at that dinner here in the Atlanta area. So if you're in Atlanta and it's coming up on the holiday season, let's support this amazing call call to action for African-centered education. If you are a believer in that and you're giving to charity this year, consider going to educate to liberate 
dot online and attending this dinner or you'll see the actual website of ways you can donate if you cannot attend the dinner with that said let's play another cut from the knee along and jeezy and continue this morning's conversation from to still be integral mm-hmm. still be solid individuals because i think what you're saying is we haven't seen enough examples of solid individuals that's right, right? we, we don't have that roadmap people is either one side or others like you know, somebody's thinking for self. We're not thinking for we, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's either trying to. And, and, and by the way, I had to go back and dial my ego all the way back That's down. That's the other thing we haven't talked about. Right. There's no space in any of what we're talking about for right. ego. Right. And if you're living by ego, you're basically trying to either A, control someone. Yeah. Or to get them to see life the way you see it. Yeah. And I had to learn that that's not how you live life, right? And most of my ego came from fear. Absolutely. Right? There's good ego. Right. There's good ego that allows you to do this because mm-hmm. this is something new, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's good ego that allows you to be a disruptor. Yes. That's good ego because in disrupting the system, in disrupting what we're used to seeing, right? you're also providing a new way of doing things, right? It's hard, though. Yeah, it's hard because you're 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 putting yourself in a position to be an example. Right. But but you're still learning and growing. And also you're putting yourself in a position to lose everything that you built because people can look at you and you know our culture. You can do one thing and they're like, Oh, we cool on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like I had to learn not to teach or, or to preach. You know, I'm not this role model. I'm just saying that when you come from where we come from, it's okay to evolve because at the end of the day, I don't want to be, I don't want my kids to think I was just a great artist. You know what I'm saying? I'm a great man. I'm a great person. You know, I'm a great father. And, and That's I was more saying important God, than yeah, anything. Because I was saying, God, to I'm a real nigga, like all that. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Sox G. This morning's discussion question, Nia Long and Jeezy, what did we learn? Special guest co-host, Hillary and Akul. So we hear more from that Nia Long and Jeezy conversation. I put up this quote a few weeks ago, speaking of ego, that says, the ego is based in fear. And when we no longer move in ego, we no longer fear and abundantly receive what is truly ours, not a penny less or a penny more. And that's a quote by yours truly. Uh, But I thought that was a poignant point of the conversation to to discuss as well. So, Hillary, any thoughts uh, in what you heard in that cut um, as it relates to this morning's discussion? Um, I'm still kind of digesting that. Um, can you go to Akua? Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, cool. Any thoughts on that? No big deal if there are or not. It just I just thought it was mm-hmm. just necessary yeah. to to discuss ego and fear and how it actually plays a huge role in what Jeezy talked about, right? Where he goes, hey, it only takes a little bit, one mistake for our culture to be like, oh, I'm cool on them or whatever. And exactly. that, is, right. that is a risk. But that that's if what we that other girl was go, ahead, go ahead, Queen. Yeah, go ahead, cool. Yeah, that, that definitely how we really quick to ostracize somebody after we find out something that we don't like or quote unquote, you know, it's not – um, ideal behavior, which is why when things come out about, you know, some of the revolutionaries that we admire, you know, we try to throw the whole legacy away and like, wait a second, hold on, no, 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 because if he did this, then I don't want to hear about nothing he did that was positive because 
he doesn't fit this ideal image that you had in your mind of, you know, this angelic-like character. But anyway, I also want to touch on Ashley going off. I was over here snapping like crazy and clapping. Um, (laughs) And I just wanted to (laughs) agree, especially with the aspect of medication, because the way that we look at it is – is really, really dangerous and unhealthy and will prevent somebody from getting the help that they need. Because some people do have chemical imbalances. And some exactly. of us, you know, with foods, you know, we know they're yep. playing games with our foods. We know they're putting chemicals in our foods. And some of them have a mental effect. It's neurology. So you are incapable of focusing because of some of the foods that you ingest. And it's just, it's, it's something that, we need to look at like we do someone who has a cold or has cancer, but it's right. dealing with your mental, you know what I mean? And you may need some medication to even it out, and that's fine. I dated someone who openly had, uh, what do you call it, that, that was bipolar. So mm-hmm. it just it helped me to realize when something was coming up, like, okay, you know what I mean? Was, was he current on his medication? Okay, you know, what is this we're exploring? So, but I knew that that was one thing we were working through. So it was helpful to know that. But I didn't say he doesn't deserve to have love and a family and a relationship because of that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But anyway, sorry, going on to the point now, ego. Ego tears our relationships of all Matter sorts. Matter let me do this real quick. Before, let me do this real quick because mm. it's just worth highlighting what you're talking about um, right now. And then jump, we'll jump into what you're talking about now. Um, just because, again, this is all necessary. Um, like I said, we're mm-hmm. having this conversation not just to talk about Nia and Jeezy, but everything else that this sparks. So I'm glad that you even pointed it out. Um, and just uh, I want to reiterate what you just talked about. Um, I've seen a relationship almost break apart. Um, and I've had even this situation in my family where um, because of, like you said, to your point, our misinformation or our fears about medication. I just want to really, really highlight this because mm-hmm. I think it matters to the, today's conversation as well. Because of our fears, I've witnessed someone say, uh, well, I'm scared to be addicted to the medication. So they're fine with it. And then they go through that period. And I've seen somebody almost break up their entire family. And it was just once they understood this is, you know, and sometimes it's about about finding the right dosage, right? But they had a situation in which once they personally understood this is the best for me, they had the most beautiful family. And it was all in being able to willingly take the medication. And again, I want to be real clear here. Myself or Akua, we're not over advocating for medication, but here's a concept that I think goes missing in our community, a true holistic approach means looking at every avenue to benefit your well-being. And so ideally, if cost of, of, of physical health, uh, I'm just going to make this analogy again, if, if cost of physical health wasn't so high, each of us would have a medical doctor and a naturopathic doctor Doctor, if it if, if, if one side wasn't so expensive. And I'm not trying to get into the dynamics of why one side is higher than the other, but I am highlighting that if you have a good naturopathic doctor, they absolutely understand the balance of, okay, for this situation, you need to go to the medical, or in this situation, let's balance out the medicine with this, or to your point, Akua, let's figure out the food so you can have, now need less of the medication. So if I'm making sense right now, a true holistic approach typically balances out all of it. We usually hurt ourselves to your point, cool is we start demonizing one side of the other, not realizing a true holistic approach may require a little bit of 
medical, a little bit of holistic, so or natural, I should maybe say. So I just wanted to really just jump in on that because it is important when it comes to if the difference between you having a healthy family is a, a pill, take that damn pill. I'm sorry to cut in there and go on my little mm-hmm. soapbox, no, but I thought it was necessary because, again, if we're talking about our relationships and that's going to mm. be the difference maker, let's not move in a healthy way and get the wrong information and hurt our, and destroy our families. All right, Queen, go ahead and jump into your okay. other point. Sorry about that. Um, well, yeah, I was just going to um, agree that I think ego, and ego could work for us. I went to a workshop, um, this brother in L.A., Siddiqui Bakari, put on, and he talked about how you can use your ego. Like, if you train your ego and use it for good, it can help you advance in your career and your destiny mm-hmm. and other things. It's not necessarily something that you always have to work against. It's like, oh, it's my ego, it's my ego. It could be your ego to say you want to be, you want to do the absolute most you can for your community. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not in a way where you, your ego is making it want you to control the narrative in every conversation, in every situation, so you're mm-hmm. not going to be as transparent because, someone's going to look at you like this or use this against you in some way. Because usually when the ego is coming up, it's because you want to control that narrative. So you don't want to give, you don't want to release this information or this action or this behavior because it's going to make you look like. But if you're going to lose your family over your ego, I mean, imagine the the damage to your ego when you actually lose your family. No matter what you do, you can't get it back. You cannot get it back. You can't undo the things that you did trying to follow this idea that you have for yourself. Like, no, I'm going to make her submit or I'm going to make him, you know what I mean? Do whatever mm-hmm. oh, this thing is. It's not worth oh, it. Absolutely. It's absolutely, no, not, worth absolutely it. not worth it. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, it's understanding that most things are on a spectrum, right? Um, You know, the term that like you're talking about to a degree, a healthy ego, right? So it's not, you know, obviously the quote, I just used the word ego, but to your point, we don't want to demonize the word in particular because, again, everything's on a, a spectrum. The example I always love to use is um, you, we, we, for those of us who like to stay in shape, there's vanity that you look at in the mirror, and that the word vanity by itself is not, you know, we may demonize it, but the, that's a healthy ego in the sense that I want to look good in the mirror plays a role in you staying in shape quite often. Um, you know, can that go to the point where you become arrogant and now it becomes so much about your body that now you're going to surgery over and over to keep a body and that's really a lack of love for yourself. So that's the entire spectrum, right? We stay in shape because we want to look good in the mirror. That's a healthy level of, of ego to your point, Akul. If it starts causing you to um, get a bunch of surgeries, and I'm not saying that um, surgery for your body in itself is wrong. Again, everything's on a spectrum, but I'm highlighting the, the difference. And so, yes, if we've gotten to an unhealthy level of ego that is keeping us fear-based, that's why, to Jeezy's point, the culture is so easy to throw you away for one thing wrong. The reason you are throwing someone away for the one thing wrong is typically a egotistical projection of being able to hide your issues and point, hey, look at what they did wrong. And so by throwing them away, it keeps you from having to do your own work versus understanding humans are going to make mistakes. Um, to Akua's bigger point, anytime you hear, like you said, um, leaders in the past having some type of 
um, scandal would come out, uh, you know, or we hear about things we didn't know about them, and now you're willing to throw them away. Again, that's your personal ego getting in the way, and now you don't want to make a mistake publicly amongst the culture so that you don't get demonized. That's an impossible way to live. Um, Hillary, I got another cut I want to play. Do you want to jump in real quick before oh, I play? Oh, well, can cut? I respond to all of that? Yeah, yeah, please. Oh, yeah, I want to. Yeah, I got another cut. I just, if yeah, if you want to, please do. Yeah, please do. Yeah, there's a lot was said. Um, I mean, well, if we well about this ego thing, I'll go to that first, and I had something to say about the other stuff. Um, like basically, that's what the girl in the previous cut was doing to him. Like he did something she didn't like, and mm-hmm. then it was like, well, don't come back to. And, but, like, if you look at it also from, like, on a deeper perspective from her is it's a feeling of rejection. People don't like to feel rejected. So it's like you rejected me, and now you want me to accept you back. So I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. And certainly, you know, in our mm-hmm. uh, culture, yeah, one little thing that I don't like is, you know, I'm done with you forever. You know, you don't. we don't allow people to really come back. Or whatever the one thing they did wrong is just reflective. They just do everything wrong. Like, no one is always right, and no one is always wrong. Like, you know, you might be right about one thing and wrong about another thing. You know, it's just, you know, life. You're, you're never, like, the good person all the time. You just aren't. Um, and, but, like, also about the ego continuum, like, you don't want to be a doormat. Like, you know, there's also mm-hmm. a, a, a non-unproductive degree of selflessness. In, in which you become a doormat, and then that leads to other problems. You know, you're mm-hmm. not really effective just saying yes all the time or wanting to please people all the time. You know, like, that's not healthy either. So you do need, like, a healthy degree of ego where it's balanced with, I, you know, have some concern for, you know, my family or, you know, our group or whatever, but also, like, for myself because you have to take care of yourself first. Like, when you're on the plane, they say, you know, put your mask on before you help others. You know, you still have to help yourself you still have to think about yourself, you know, prioritize yourself as well. Um, and then about all the other mental health stuff, um, about, like, medication. I think when people are like, oh, I'm afraid, like, I don't want to get addicted, I think what they're really saying is they are afraid of being dependent. Mm. And the pill is the thing they're using. And in the context of their relationships, they may also have issues with feelings of dependency and that leads mm. to, you know, bad things happening. So it's like, um, I mean, all my husband said this, and like, well, I, I don't want to get addicted to it. Like, you're not going to get addicted. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that kind of thing. Um, but it's like you have to be dependent on something. And then with your, when you're dependent on something or someone, you might start feeling weak or that you can't do it yourself. Um, mm. And also I agree with a, a core mate about, like, finding the right fit. Like, personally, like, I, like, a therapist or doctor, medical doctor, like, I always ask for a black doctor. I don't really feel comfortable. Like, for the reasons she said, you know, usually when we go to the mm-hmm. doctor, bad stuff happens as a result. So, you know, I just start from there as a baseline because if you're not comfortable, like, the same way he may not have been able to talk to his ex-wife about mm-hmm. certain things, right. he doesn't understand. I got to tell you too much other information to get you up to speed to be able to have a real conversation with you about this, it's the same, like, you know, if you're seeing a therapist or you're seeing any old regular doctor for any um, any sort of thing, like, 
you don't know about me or you probably don't even care. You don't think about certain things or understand mm-hmm. it. In a- no, absolutely. Yeah, we're very fortunate in Atlanta that um, there's a beautiful lot of therapists that look like us. And for anybody out there listening, um, you know, now the beauty of inter- in the Internet is a lot of the therapy that even our therapists do now it can be via Zoom. So you don't necessarily, if you're stuck in a place where you can't find a therapist, if you will, that looks like you, uh, we can definitely help you out. Uh, one of our therapists, Dr. Gerald Hassel, as we call him Dr. G, um, he now, I have a nice little offer that he does for anybody out there. Um, basically, if you want to take a self-mastery approach to your therapy, um, three sessions for 175, it's, that's a deal you really can't meet, beat. Um, so, you know, I will say throw it out there just to, in case if anybody want to kind of take advantage, because typically one session is not going to be enough or whatever. You want to get a few sessions to really have that objective perspective to peel those things back. Let's go to this next cut and continue this morning's conversation. Productive. You said if it couldn't work, then you would leave. Yes. Even if there was a family, well, even if there was kids involved. If the other person is not willing to do the deep, hard work, then you stay, and when you stay, you have to make yourself smaller to stay, to survive. I 1,000% agree with you. Or you may not, I think for a woman it means you have to make yourself smaller to feel like you're fitting into this space with this person who's not ready yet. Right. You can still love them, by the way. Right. You can still love them. You can still wish them the best. You can still, you, I mean, you might have moments where you want to cuss somebody out. Like, right. that's normal. Like, we, we have feelings and emotions. But you can love people right where they are. Right. Because to me, that's really a sign of my own personal growth. If you can love the person that hurt you. Right. But you mean love them from afar. You love them from afar. You wish them well. You bless them on their journey. And you hope that the next time around that they have the opportunity to do the work that they do the work. What happens when you're a man and and you want nothing more than that, right? Yeah. And that's not what you're getting on the other side. And there are kids involved, right? And there's somewhat love there. And you understand that somebody else might have their thing. Mm -hmm. But they're not taking this journey with you of healing because I think love is two people healing together and giving each other the space to do so. And the thing for me is, um, I, you know, when I I went to visit my mother that day, I went to forgive her, but I also went to tell her that I'm going to stand up for my, for little Jay. That's right. Right. The little Jay that she put in that position. And I think a lot of my healing journey, especially in my real life, Mm-hmm. Had a lot to do with me never standing up to my mother the right way. That's right. Which made me be a certain way. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Nia Long and Jeezy, what did we learn? Special guest co-host, Hillary Nakua, my queen of intellect. Um, Hillary, I'm going to start with you. Um, that's a reference to Jeezy when he says Little J, his inner child, if you will. And we've done plenty of shows with some of our therapists actually talking about inner childhood wounds and a lot of things that trauma that we quite often are dealing with are reflective of 
how we feel about that inner child and sometimes it doesn't come to our consciousness or now we're fortunate enough to start using this type of language um, thanks to social media, understanding that there is an inner childhood wound sometimes needing to be fixed. And so I just, in a sense, love Jeezy pointing out that he, in a sense, went to his mother's grave to, in a sense, forgive her because that's another step is being able to give, forgive our parents in the sense that if there was some aspects of trauma or in his situation, kind of a violent and erratic childhood, if you will. But there's a step for ourselves that we can take to forgive our parents. And he still was highlighting understanding what he needed to do for the, with those inner childhood wounds and that he had taken those steps. Um, any thoughts, Queen? Right. Um, well, I think that, because, like, of the trauma, if you experience trauma, or I think everyone experienced, like, some level of trauma, like, you know, through, during childhood. And uh, prior to, like, current times, you think, like, oh, like, they'll forget about it. Kids are resilient, that sort of thing. But they really aren't. It just imprinted. And then, because the, really the older you get, the more set in your ways you get. So if you learn how to handle conflict in certain ways, or you feel, like, a abandonment or that you can't rely on people, you're in a chaotic environment, so now the chaos becomes, you know, how you organize your life now. It has to have chaos. It can't be orderly. Um, those things, like, it's all coming back to things that happened to you as a child, which is what he said several times. And she, uh, when me along was like, oh, I'll just leave the relationship. Like, but then she kind of tried to clean it up. I think she said it right the first time because, and I feel like it was probably like based on like past trauma that she has. Like, oh, um, you know, I don't want to feel hurt. I don't want to feel rejected. I don't want to feel like I can't rely on someone. So I'll just like put it away. Like, just you know, I'll make some distance. And it's just like trauma on top of trauma, and then you don't handle it, or it's not handled for you in a productive way, and then it just mounts on top, and then it's just unproductive as you get older. I respect that. Akua, your thoughts? The only thing that you're hearing? Akua? Are you there, Queen? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Okay, yes, I'm here. Um, Something that stood out to me was that he talked about his relationship with his mother and how it's affected his ability to feel love um, and, you know, maybe to give. But I think, I mean, of course, that's going to affect the relationship he has with the other person. And they're automatic. I don't know. I don't None of us know what his ex-wife did. But I'm sure, you know what I mean, his half of it has something to do with it, too, because, you know what I mean, his, his gauge is off because he has some healing that he still needs to do. Um, then the other point I wanted to make is just it touches on a very touchy subject that I feel like we never really dive into because it's a very uncomfortable um, accountability for women in particular that a lot of people have some, some mama baggage, women included. You know what I mean? It's a mm-hmm. a very tricky relationship that impacts a big piece of who we are. And not all of it, you know, was positive. When we know women do the best they can, for the most part, some don't. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. Some don't. Yeah, but calling it what it is. We don't Absolutely. talk about how it affects the adults later. You know what I mean? Some do have anger issues. Some are closed-minded. Some do just regurgitate however they were raised. It may not have been the best way. And, you know, it's, it's a hard pill I don't know, like I said on the show last time, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and she's teaching me some things 
I'm teaching her some things, but, you know, my temper is one of them. You know what I mean? Because you just regurgitate what happened to you. You're supposed to get loud. You're supposed to shut them down. You're supposed to show them who's boss. But you're shutting pieces of them down. So you got to do things in a balanced manner. And if you don't, you've got to be willing to spin the block and make it right. Especially later on, you know, when there's grandchildren involved, this is when things can come up and it's all the unresolved things. So, yeah, you know, we got to be willing to, to grow. Well, when we know better, we do better, hopefully. And that's the ego part, right? So, um, you know, the saying sounds amazing. When we know better, we do better. Not always the case. Our ego can, to your point, Akul, can, um, in a sense, affect you actually stepping in to change that cycle. Like, like, like Hillary said, we get stuck in our ways. And so will your ego get in the way or will you willingly help, to your point, Akul, the grandchildren or your children or say, I'm sorry, or can you forgive me now that I understand what I did to you? son, what I did to you, daughter. Um, and, and then again, here's another reality for anybody out there listening. And we did a show on the toxic um, mother and daughter relationship. Uh, we had Dr. Pittman on. And here's another reality. And again, Jeezy talked about going to that grave to forgive his mother. Um, so when he, clearly if he's going to the grave, he, he never heard what he needed to hear from her. And so I'm pointing out because I Dr. Pittman, our therapist, pointed out that in order to move to a better space so that you're not passing on the same traumas to the next generation, that your own personal healing journey possibly will include your mother or your father never being able to say, I'm sorry, or the words you would like to hear that based on your own trauma you think would make a difference. Because if you're in a situation where there is a relationship with, still a relationship with your parents in that sense, and there's a level of accountability you just wish they would take, and the reality is their own traumas may be playing a role in why they can't or why they did what they did to you. And I remember the advice was always to consider thinking about, or if you learn any of the background of your parents and who they were at four years old and what they experienced and how that's playing a role and how they're treating you. And as if you can think of your parent as that same child, that same inner child that you're still trying to deal with your situations, it's a space to be able to forgive them. And that forgiveness, like Jeezy talked about in that cut, plays a huge difference in your own personal projection, but even more so for the next generation uh, let me play another cut i saw some other callers out there for the callers that want to get in the number to get in is 646-787-1691 again that's 646-787-1691 you do have to press one to join the conversation i think the last couple of callers didn't realize that but if you push one we will get you in on the conversation. Some people listen via the phone. So calling in in itself will not get you on the air. I just want to clarify that because I saw a couple of jump callers jump on and jump off pretty quickly. All right, let's play another cut to continue this morning's discussion. Right. So right now, where are we? In my life, I wanted to have a family forever. 
Yeah. I, that's, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the person. To get it right. To get it right. Me too. To I wanted it, to, to get, get it right. right to, to be right. To yeah. To do all the things. And you get in that space and you're letting your inner child down. And you're not protecting them. And that's making you shrink in situations like that too. Men do. Yes, because if you're not appreciated, if you're met with resistance, if you're yeah. met with that inner thing that somebody else has from their thing, but that's to me that's hell. fixable. You got to want to do the work. I am. I agree. But you just said clearly, yeah. the person that's me, <laughs> you out. <laughs> There's an expiration date on everything, right? Right. Like, and you got to know when it's time to be done. Right. And that's usually not about another person, an affair, Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, some chick that's willing to, like, make you feel like a king. Because that's why most men cheat. Most men cheat. Because the... That's that's fascinating to me. It's so gross. It's so stupid. I personally... This is my quote. Real niggas don't cheat. You don't think so? Hell no. I kind of understand what you mean when you say that. They do not. I understand what you mean when you say that. It's something... In us, yeah, that makes us want to be right, right yeah. across the board. But is that so that you you are living up to the expectation that you've set for yourself? Because again, you're going back to your childhood wounds of right. trying to be perfect to, right. to receive the love from your mom, or is or is that really where you've landed that you want to be a man that does things the right way because you want to be honorable yes. and you want to respect the woman that you're with. Cause those are two different things. I want to be honorable and I'm just anybody that's real. And when I say real, I mean real with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you're going to hold, there's a, there's a sense of integrity there. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And in, in my life, God, what happened to integrity? <laughs> my life is built on integrity. Yeah. That's my moral compass. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Neil Long and Jeezy, what did we learn? And this is one of the cuts that definitely went viral when Jeezy said, real niggas don't cheat. <laughs> it reminded me of um, the Charlemagne the God thing that he was doing a couple years ago with, with him and the brother, um, the comedian, I can't think of it. Black men don't cheat. And um, I think there's a lot of validity in the sense of what Jeezy's saying there. We highlighted it last week when we did a show on art. Does black culture raise boys to be real men or real niggas? And uh, I remember I asked on that show last week was what Jeezy said in this moment, an actual step in the right direction, ultimately talking about the integrity that's behind that. And at the end of the day, an honorable man, in a sense, I agree with him, moves just like that. Uh, I think he's absolutely correct. Um, I don't t- particularly use the word niggas anymore, but we are not a politically correct show, and so we don't talk around words and say the N-word on this show. So with that said, um, um, a lot said in that cut, but I also wanted to highlight this and get y'all thoughts on it. Cool, I'll start with you. Uh, in addition to what he's saying there about how, in a sense, men move and his integrity, uh, throughout the cuts that we've played, in my personal opinion, I just want to see both of you, both of you ladies' thoughts on this. There's an aspect, and I think you may have already mentioned, or Hillary may have mentioned it, but there's an aspect to where I feel like throughout the interview, Neil kind of moves between 
um, you know, doing the person doing the work, but she's also quick to leave to a degree. But there's other parts of the interview where she says, oh, no, I won't give up on you. It's just her back and forth, in my opinion, outside looking in. Some of it, as good as the advice seems, there's an aspect, in my opinion, of innocence leaving too quickly. And I'll highlight, again, this is just my perspective of it, but the leaving too quickly. And even when Jeezy mentioned in another cut, even if there's children and people, children involved. And so I think there's a difference when you figure this out prior to being paired with someone. But in the event that you're married, I think that's a little different. And sometimes I hear, in my opinion, her wanting to jump and leave too quickly. Again, those are just my thoughts. Um, your thoughts on that, Akua, if you will. Well, um, I feel like I, I, I would like a better explanation of what his idea of a, a real nigga is because I don't think mm-hmm. it is her. I don't think the two of them are on the same page because when she replied, she went back into her days of dealing with brothers from the street. She didn't mm-hmm. just deal with men who she felt like were evolved. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's real. If that's the case, then they're saying two different things. If he's saying someone who is solid, he's just like a solid man, and but he's saying real nigga, then that's different. If right. he's saying somebody who, like, has integrity in terms of they own their stuff, like, listen, this is what I'm doing. And you, you know what I'm saying, you, this is how it's going to go down. So you decide to participate or not, then it would make more sense. But I can't mm-hmm. say that everybody who I feel like is solid doesn't have a, a problem, you know, in that area. Right. You know, they may not know how to communicate that they have, um, you know, they they desire more than one partner and what that could look like in open and honesty so everybody is safe. So I, I couldn't say, you know, I, I, that I know mm-hmm. what his idea of integrity or, quote, unquote, being a real nigga or a solid person is. So I would, you know. No, those, those, are, yeah, these are, just thoughts. No, those are thoughts. Hillary, any thoughts to what we're talking about? I'm sorry. Let me, my, let me see. Do I got you live? Okay, let me get you back live. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I agree with what Jesus said because cheating is an indicator of your integrity. Cheating is not like if you want to have multiple partners and you are upfront about that and the, your, you know, people that you deal with agree to it, like, I don't consider that cheating. We are, you know, living our lives a certain way, and we're all on the same page. That's not cheating. Cheating is I'm lying about what I'm doing. Um, and lying is a clear indication that somebody is not integrous. Uh, so I would agree with, like, what he said about that and also what you said about how she's, uh, Nia's kind of going back and forth about things because she says, like, I'll leave. Oh, no, like, I'll work. Like, no, no. I, that's what I said. She said it the way she meant it or, you know, mm-hmm. how she I agree. her impulse to deal with it. Like, her impulse right. is, let me leave. But, like, when you said, like, you may do anything, like, in the moment on an impulse, and then when you think back, just like my dad always told me, he's like, don't make any major decisions when you're angry because you're just going to probably make the wrong decisions. You have to, like, get in a calm space, you know, so you can think about what to do. And it's like, with my impulse is to do this, you know, I'm mad right now. But, you know, in a couple of days, I'm not going to be that mad anymore. And now I could have done irreparable damage. So she's trying to, I mean, like, 
no one is ever, you know, like the so they back. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you're constantly, you know, oh, my impulse, I know my impulse is probably just to leave so I don't have to deal with this. Like I don't want to deal with this, you know, but I know I want to evolve to be better. So it's like her impulse, I believe, is what she said, I'm going to just leave. Right. But then when she was like, you know, doesn't want to be that kind of person. She wants to be the kind of person that if you have, like, a committed relationship, like, I'm in this, you know, like, we're, we're uh, I don't know, she wasn't married to um, the coach, oh, but, mm-hmm. you, know, they were in a, you know, they were clearly in an established, committed relationship and had children right. and stuff. So, it was like, we have, you know, something here. It's not, you know, just some, you know, little fling. I've been, you know, just seeing you for six months, you know, whatever. You have an investment. So, when you have an investment, when it goes bad or when there's bad times, like, you just can't bail. You have to work through it. But bad times is not a signal of this is a disaster and we need to leave, necessarily. Right. It's just a lot. I want to unpack real quick um, before we go to our um, our, la- our next our last cut, if you will. And, again, for anybody that wants to jump in, 646-787-1691. Um, but you mentioned real quickly, briefly, the finished product. And so something that we talked about at the very beginning of this show was how a lot of the conversations within our culture about what black men and black women need to do and that type of thing. Uh, I personally highlighted how quite often those conversations are for monetary gain. And to your point that you had made earlier, Hillary, there's no real agenda for uh, a, a, a solution, if you will. And so um, I would highlight that the redundant conversations of, of, about what black men should be doing and what black women should, or should, or what black women should be doing, I would highlight that they actually gear you towards expecting and wanting a finished product. Even the psychology of being able to look on IG and just again getting into the mental health part, the mental psychology part, but even on IG. It, it being able to swipe so quickly and see all of these for men, these beautiful women and for men, for women, um, all these established men, at least how they appear on social media. Um, I, I listened to this one psychology psychologist talk about how currently in this era of social media being so available, it gives us the appearance of always having options, if you will. And so because you have these potential options, you always may have a good situation but the, the perceived option makes you wonder the question, can I get better? And so when you go into situations with all these perceived options on the table and you get in a quote-unquote committed situation, it becomes easy to leave if you up and decide, oh, that person's not willing to do the work and I'm out this thing because these perceived options as you get older, are not real options. But if you don't understand that psychology, to your point, Hillary, you can react off your visceral reaction and not calm down and think about what's best for this situation, what's best for these children, because this is the me, me, selfish generation, and social media and IG and TikTok only reiterates that psychology in our brains. And I've said this to a a, a good friend before the reality is you can you can know something but our brains are not devoid of the psychology and how it will play out so i can know better but if i 
trained or habitually stay scrolling on IG or go even further, I now watch a bunch of porn, it actually psychologically changes your physical reaction to intimacy, for example. And so your great intimate situation can turn bad all because of psychology. I packed in a lot in that conversation because, again, this is, in my opinion, a better way to have these conversations in gold in mind and that to improve the relationship between the black man and black woman. So again, I've appreciated this Nia Long and Jeezy conversation because it allows us to further the conversation uh, and go even deeper, if you will. Aku, I think you had made this point, um, you know, how they cut up the interview or whatever. There's only so far they can go in a limited video time. But as we have these conversations, we can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, your thoughts, Queen, to anything I said before we play the last cut of the, um, of, for this show? Um, no, I don't have anything to add to that. You covered it. <laughs> you covered yeah. it. I love it. Um, Hillary, anything? Again, again, this is just trying to have better conversations, and I think, I think, I think we can all agree that it's necessary that this conversation is that what we're having now is not enough. It's just can we have the, these healthier conversations versus, the, to your point at the beginning of the show, just having the conversations to create looks and likes, if you will. Um, go ahead, Queen. Uh, well, I was just going add that the way they structured their um, interview is, is at least like giving some sort of template to have a productive conversation, like not right. just talking to be talking, talking for attention, like they had some attention there. And um, also, as the cool said, like, it looked very nice, like the production quality, like they both looked, you know, fantastic and the setting background, all that was nice. Um, so I thought they at least like put out some, a better template that, you know, people can maybe grab towards. No, I love it. And so I'm not going completely commercial free. I'm going to play one quick commercial make some announcements and we're going to play the last cut and close out today. We still got time. If you want to jump in on this conversation um, for six, four, six, seven, eight, seven, one, six, nine, one, again, six, four, six, seven, eight, seven, one, six, nine, one. You do have to press one if you want to join the conversation, uh, but I am going to play a quick commercial and make some announcements before we play the last cut. We'll be right back for all I ask is that you think. Shout out to Kazimbe over at Black Dot Culture Center and Bookstore. Thanks for caring, re-education of the Negro, necessary conversations on race, sex, and culture. That's my new book. If you enjoy conversations like we have here every Saturday on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, be sure to pick up my book so you and your family can engage in authentic dialogue. They can learn to navigate the African-American experience. Also, while you're at Black Dot, make sure you grab a cup of Ethiopian coffee and my favorite, the smoked salmon croissant. Visit Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore at 6984 Main Street, Latonia, Georgia, 30058. Tell them it's a dialogue venture. I'm actually going to be over at Black Dot for those in the area um, on Black Friday doing a book signing for re-education of the Negro. The book, again, is designed for you to have conversations just like this 
There's 75 commentaries on race, sex, and culture uh, with discussion questions to invoke dialogue. We did had one of the pieces last night at the Mental Dialogue Live experience. Again, wanted to highlight um, Colombo Academic and Culture Institute as they're doing their fourth annual Educate to Liberate Banquet on November the 29th, 6 p.m. Dinner is served. Um, join Colombo and TSK as they celebrate African-centered excellence in education. This year, Colombo is raising money as they continue to educate our youth preschool to 12th grade in our people's history and culture via African-centered education. Don't miss this theater experience and night of exceptional entertainment and dynamic speakers as they raise money to support the next generation of black Liberators. To get your tickets, go to educate to liberate dot online. Again, educate to liberate dot online. If you miss the actual dinner on the 29th, they will have a virtual experience. Let's support this amazing cause. And a couple of other announcements before I play this last cut. Um, in addition to the book signing on Friday, uh, I'm starting a book exchange, coffee and wine club, our first event. Uh, well, we've done one event at another location, but on December the 9th at Privy at Stonecrest, uh, bring your favorite book out, and it's almost like speed dating with a book. So pretty dope event. Go to mentordialogue.com. I'll be putting it up tomorrow. I'm just telling you listeners about it today, uh, but it will be on the website tomorrow. And then our end-of-year live experience, a cool, I'm asking you to put it on your calendar live on the air, December the 15th for our, our final Mental Dialogue Live experience of the year. We will have a after party at Social House, a dope black on speakeasy here in the um, on, on Edgewoods here in Atlanta. But we'll be putting all the information on mentaldialogue.com. All right, let's play this last cut and close out this morning's wonderful discussion on the Nia Long and Jeezy. What did we learn? We'll be right back. Our world, our people, they need to hear this shit. Absolutely. Like, they need to know. Absolutely. That, you know, that you, you don't have to be stuck in this place that this trauma and this no. pain all these things want us We're to be stuck We're supposed to be living joy, living joyful joy. lives. Women are supposed to just be able to be feminine right. and soft, right. still be in your power, still right. be successful, right. still be mothers, professionals, famous, inf- whatever it is. Right. We can be all of the things, right? And men should be able to be loving and not feel Absolutely. like they're going to get mas- emasculated or, or these things because, and I just feel like if everybody took the time to look inward mm-hmm. and to work on themselves in an honest way, you have to be honest. And I, I just feel like if we can do that as a people, we'll be in a better space. And I think for me, whew, it's risking a lot because, you know, anybody that would have been in my position that would have been thinking for self. And I, I think it's success, no way they would. I think it's success when you accomplish what I accomplished. That's success. Yeah, right? yeah. Su- success is for yourself. Significance is what is about others. And I'm in a significant space right now. I don't know that I've ever had a conversation like this mm. with any man. Oh, wow. So to for you to say the words but still have this very masculine presence right. is kind of nice because it's like mm. it goes against what I think Women will be like, he's soft. I don't want, you know, because right. there are women out there that don't want that. 1,000%. I don't understand that 
I think you want the balance, right? I think women want leadership. Right. They want to feel protected. Do they want leadership? Well, it depends on the woman. Right, yes, sir. <laughs> depends on the woman, right? Right. And it depends on where you're leading me. Because if you're right. leading me someplace where I don't want to go, then no. Right. We're not doing that. Right. But if I trust you. Well, where does the trust come into play? Well, you got to know each other. You got to be, you, you, you got to. to know each other, you have to be. Welcome back to the Mitchell Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Nia Long and Jeezy, what did we learn? Having this wonderful conversation with Hillary and Akul, my queens of intellect, as we're closing out this amazing conversation, I wanted to highlight as wonderful as that last cut sounds. Here's a couple of things that I some nuance that I would love to throw out. That um, again, I agree with you, Hillary. They give it. They're giving us a, a template, if you will, to have these conversations. Um, here's a couple of things that I, I heard. That just some nuance that I wanted to throw out and see what you ladies thought is. For as much as they said correctly in that cut, I would throw out um, there was a part where Neil says, you know, we can we can be all these things, we can have it all, and I would offer that that's a that aspect is a mistake in the reality of life, in that we in the hip hop generation. Uh, which Nia Long is very much a part of. I remember when, you know, Jay-Z talked to her in an interview years ago and said, you know, how does it feel to be everybody's girlfriend, you know, come, you know, coming up when she came up and was a leading, you know, lady in all these movies when we were young. Um, but I'm highlighting that one of the mistakes that I think our generation has been beset with that has not served us is the concept of being able to have it all and it doesn't take in the reality of the timeline of life with things. And the reality is black men and black women are so complimentary to speak to some of the good things that they both said in that cut in that if we have each other, you don't have to have it all, nor it, nor, nor, um, I should say nor, but, but having a, unrealistic reality of what having it all looks like actually creates some of the divide that we currently see in the culture. And I personally, even here in that last cut with Nia's perspective, I think it's still speaking to some of that stuff you and I just mentioned prior to the break, Hillary, but there's this perspective where, um, well, if, if, if you're leading me where I want to go, if you're not leaving me where I want to go, then no, I'm not going to go. Well, speaking to the trust that Jeezy ended the conversation with, if you're trusting, then sometimes agreeing and trusting someone means you go even when it don't look right. I'm not saying you're just supposed to stick with somebody and go with somebody who can't lead. That's not what I'm saying. But there's aspects, again, I think that she's still speaking to thinking, oh, I can have it all, and if you're leading me where I don't want to go, if you're leading me where you personally don't want to go, that's not what sticking it out looks like, in my opinion. Hillary, just kind of jump on again. I'm just critiquing a little nuance of mistakes I think we've made in our culture of how relationships go when it comes to sticking together. Your thoughts, Queen? Um, I like that clip. There's a lot to pull out there. Um, I think 
what we need to do is, like, have clear definitions of what these are. Like, leading isn't sitting around barking out orders all the time and being, like, following or submissive or whatever isn't just blindly doing, you know, what the person is commanding. Like, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to command. Mm-hmm. Like, as a dog, I don't have to tell him, like, to come with me. If I walk somewhere, it just follows because, um, you know, I've just established I'm the leader, not by come follow me and yelling and all that kind of thing. Like, that's not what it is. And like she said, when you trust the other person, like, you establish trust by, like you said, being solid. When I say something, like often tell my daughter, I'm like, when I say yes, that's what it is. We're going to do it. And when I say no, that's what I mean. So if I say yes, you don't have to keep, you know, pestering. Because I said yes, and that's what it's going to be. And it's like you just have to be solid. Do what you say you're going to do. So Because that's how you build up trust with anyone, like, because you become reliable. So, I mean, you may make the you may make missteps or the wrong um, mm-hmm. decisions, but people will still follow because you are you still did it like with the spirit of I, you know I weighed everything I thought this was going to be you know the best option it didn't mm-hmm. I'm gonna change to something else okay well I'll do that because you have a reputation for right. being there and doing things being considerate about things and other people so that's how you establish that. And about, like, having it all, like, that's another thing. Like, you need to clearly define, like, what that means. Because uh, I think especially, like, for, um, like, people in the hip-hop generation, like, well, parents that were, you know, somewhat, like, after this whole feminist-type era where it's like, oh, yeah, I can I can uh, go out and, like, work uh, 60 hours a week and raise kids. Like, you cannot do that. That is not, first of all, that's not even, like, I just going to be healthy, like happy. Like, you just exhausted right. all the time. Like, I think right. that's part of the reason why the divorce rate skyrocketed because exactly. now the woman exactly. is doing two jobs, like, all the time. Like, she has to do work outside and she's, you know, working at home. And it's just not, like, feasible. It's not tenable for somebody to maintain that over a long period of time. So it's like you have to define, like, for yourself, really, what is having it all? Like, not what IG says. Like, what is it for you to have it all? Like, what do you want? You have to figure that out. So having, like, I would, I would throw out. I would throw out if I could. And then just want to make sure I get a cool in here because we only got a few minutes. And I would throw out that in the, when it comes to in relation with another, having it all is being complimentary so that you can. And we are, I would offer naturally complimentary versus what, pop culture has taught us now and so we're so natural complimentary and to your point when it comes to definitions at the end of the day they leaders understand that they are served to serve anyone that's under their fold so if you don't understand leadership to be that then you're not appropriate to lead and i would not advise any you know quote unquote assistance to fall under that but at the end of the day even in leadership and I am serving, you absolutely are playing a role in where we go because as a leader, I'm there to serve you. When it's understood that way and the trust is that, then, yeah, it might be headed in a direction that right now doesn't make sense to you or to your point, you trust me to make a mistake like Hillary said and then go a different direction. That's how that all works. Cool, we've got a couple of minutes. Um, just any thoughts on, again, just the aspect of as much as I love the cut that they just played, there was some nuance that I thought was worthy of speaking to. Go ahead, Queen. 
No, I agree with the both of you. Um, I think Hillary did a great job the entire show. I meant to say that. Um, Thank you. But, yeah, I think having some some more honest conversations, including when you mess up, can help with that dynamic. You know, talking about what your intention was and when something was just an honest mistake and how you can move forward. Like, we just, we gain each other way too much. Way too no, much. that's real. No, that's real. Oh, cool. While you're talking, go ahead and give me your public information for anybody that wants to follow you. Uh, we got about a minute, so you can keep it down to 30 seconds and so I can give sure. Hillary time to give out her public information as well. But thank both of you, Queens, for a num- wonderful added conversation to the new conversation. Go ahead, Queen. Um, my Instagram is Akua underscore rights, and on there it actually has all my other links. So that's the quickest way I can give it. <laughs> yeah, but if you're looking Thank for some you. wonderful children books for your black children, please go follow this queen. What's your website real quick? Then we'll go to Hillary. AkuaRights.com. Okay, love it. All right, Hillary, any public information you want to give out, your choice. Oh, we may have lost Hillary. No, oh, she's still there. Hillary, still sorry, there? I have my cell phone. Yes, yeah, okay, I'm here. No sorry, I have my cell phone. Um, my IG is at Philosophy, and on Facebook, um, Hillary Lauren. Um, not that I'm very active on social media these days, but you can find me there. <laughs> no, sounds good. Go to mentaldialogue.com to catch up with my book signing as well as the Book Exchange Coffee and Wine Club on December 9th and end of year live experience December the 15th. All I ask is that you think. The new COVID-19 vaccine is now available. The Fulton County Board of Health has updated COVID booster shots and flu vaccines to fight the latest variants of each illness. Remember, vaccines work. We've done an excellent job of staying up to date on vaccines, reducing the number of illnesses in our community. Continue to protect yourself and others by making an appointment at the nearest Board of Health location. The Fulton County Board of Health is here to serve you. Stay current. Visit FultonCountyBOH.com or call 770-520-7500 for more info. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.